Alright, we are continuing the Gospel of Luke, and we are not, as it says on the front of the bulletin, like I said before, we're not talking about love. Apparently the Holy Spirit called an audible on me, and that's okay. What that means is He's changed it up and He's done something different. And so we are going to focus on the theme of joy today as we work through this text together. Now, why does the Lord want you and me to hear about joy today? I have no idea. Maybe there are some of you who are fighting for joy right now. Hopefully this will be an encouragement for all of us today as we look through this text. So if you remember, if you weren't here last week, we just went through uh, the birth of John, the Baptist being foretold, and now we're going to transition to the birth of Jesus being foretold. We're going to go through verse by verse like we do. Follow along if you have your Bibles. If not, it should be up on the screen. And let's see what God has for us this morning. Starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Sixth month meaning because this was just talking about Elizabeth. So this is talking about Elizabeth as she's carrying John here giving us the time frame. The angel Gabriel was sent. Gabriel was the one who talked to Elizabeth. Now he's being sent to talk to Mary, to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. We're going to, hopefully on Wednesday night, get into more detail about Nazareth and why that's important. But ultimately, realize this, that when it comes to cities, when it comes to small towns, Nazareth was nothing special. really wasn't a special place at all. In fact, it was looked down upon by many, Kind of the armpit of Galilee, I guess you could say. Everyone looked down on this little town. And so I find it incredible and encouraging that this is to where the, be the place that Jesus would be from. This is where he's going to be from. Not born, but from. And the debate or the discussion is, how does this fulfill Old Testament prophecy? Because in Matthew's Gospel, it actually talks about that he would be a Nazarene or something of that nature. But it, and it says that this is from the prophets of old, but that's actually never said in the Old Testament, at least not directly. And so it's actually interesting. But what it seems to be is Nazareth itself seems to be some type of, the meaning seems to be like a sprout that would come up, a shoot, if you will. And it seems most likely that when the prophecy is about that from the line of David, there would be one that would sprout up, would shoot up, it seems to be tied to Nazareth in that way. But we'll talk more on that for those of you who can join us uh, Wednesday night. So verse 27, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. A couple different things in this. Um, virgin, or had not known a man, that's actually true. And what's interesting is as you study this or you talk with people, that's actually up for debate by some people. They would say, no, that's not really what that means. Some Christians will actually try to hold to that's not really what that means. Virgin doesn't really mean virgin. Well, remember, we have Dr. Luke. Do you remember? This is Dr. Luke, medical doctor, who's writing this and doing the research. Not to mention this is guided by the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is extremely important. Okay? And what people will say is, well, it can't be true because that can't happen. That's the point. That's the point. Like, it's not something that naturally happens. It's a miracle. That's the reason it's in Scripture. But the virgin birth is extremely important. 
not only because it's a sign, although it is a sign for us, but what it says about Jesus himself. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 12. I want to read through this. This is a little bit lengthy, so I want to read through it, but I want you to get what this is saying. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Paul, just before this, has talked about how we can have peace with God through faith. The famous 5.8 that um, many of you know, but God shows his love for this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is the section that he's talking about. The wrath of God has been put aside. We were enemies. Now we're reconciled. Then he says in verse 12, therefore. And again, anytime we're studying scripture, we want to know why the therefore is there. For what? And so that's what's just before it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, so... Summary, what he's ultimately saying there is death came through Adam because of the sin and it's passed through all the generations. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift uh, by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of, the, of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What this is the idea is, is that Adam sinned, and from Adam onward, whether it was actually physically from through man or this kind of spiritual idea that's passed on, those who are descendants of Adam, directly descendants of Adam, are in sin. Guess who that is? That's everybody in here. So that makes us sinners by nature. Because of Adam's fall, we are actually sinners by nature. That means you are going to sin. If you live a life, you're going to sin. And you are held under condemnation because you are in with Adam. Under his canopy, if you will. You are a sinner by nature. Everybody is. And we're sinners by choice. Anyone in here ever not sin? Somebody back there is like, yeah, I got it. No, I'm kidding, CJ. No. So, we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. Now, of course, you have the idea of babies that die. They haven't chosen anything. They haven't actually done anything. But Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How can that be? Because, again, babies would be still under that category. Their natures are sinful. Not perfect, even though they're really cute. The virgin birth is extremely important because it sets up Jesus being different than everybody else. He doesn't have a sinful nature like we do. The fact that the virgin birth people, even Christians, want to say, ah, well, probably not, it ruins everything. 
It ruins everything because if he doesn't have a sinful nature, then he can't be a sacrifice for us. Jesus has to be born of a virgin. It has to be different. Mary was betrothed. This basically means that she was legally pledged to be married. Everything was pretty much finished except the moving in together and you know finishing, consummating the marriage. Because so, for us, it's like, well, if it's an engagement, just break it off. What's the big deal? No, legally, in the custom of that time, she's married. And if she were to cheat on her husband, adultery, the punishment would have been stoning. This is a legally binding thing now. And so it's important to show. But some will say, well, if she was married, then she wouldn't be a virgin. No, that's what's so unique about the time. She could actually be promised there, but they still have not slept together. To a man whose name was Joseph. So, Joseph's name, may God give increase of the house of David. Now, this is important. Why is it important that David's brought up? Why even bring that up? I knew that's what you were thinking. Yeah, good. Quickly, Psalm 89, verse 3 and 4. Now, this talking about God's steadfast love and his covenant that he makes with David that we actually see in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He makes a promise to David. And this is a rephrasing of that. You can read 2 Samuel 7 as well. But you have said, speaking to the Lord, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. What that means is he's made a promise to David that one of your seed, someone from your family, he's going to rule forever on the throne. So when you're looking for the Messiah, when you're looking for the one who's going to be the promised king forever, guess what? It has to come from David's family. For those of you here, uh, we're here during the time of the book of Ruth, we saw where David came from. So, this promise to the house of David is actually what helps shows, that shows us that Jesus is truly the Messiah because these prophecies, like a thousand years before, are coming true. Goes on to say, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, some of you ladies got to study Mary in your Bible study, and we found out that her name actually means like bitter. That doesn't seem like a great name, like a meaning there. All these other people get great names. God will give his portion. He'll remember these things. Mary, bitter. Just bitter. The name was actually really popular. Think in Scripture. You think of a couple different Marys. And so it seems to be that idea of that for the people of Israel at the time, things had gotten bitter. Things had gotten rough. Do you remember how long they had been waiting? Anyone remember? Over 400 years. Where's the Messiah? Things are not good. This is not going well. And so people are having kids and they're going, Mary, Mary, Mary. It's not going well. Isn't it interesting, the sweet thing that's about to happen to Mary, the one whose name means bitter. Verse 28, And he said to her, or he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, same angel appearing. It's an interesting greeting. How you doing, favored one? The Lord's with you. Okay. 
But verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Number one, it's an angel showing up again, not something that was happening a lot at the time, so that's going to throw things off a little bit too. But I think, and I'm not sure, but as I was looking through, it seems to me that something about the O-favored one seems to do something to Mary where she's like, I'm not sure what that means. I'm a little, a little troubled by that. Also remember, most likely, Mary was pretty young. Some scholars go down to 14, 15, 16, 17 maybe. If Leanna was here, I was going to pull her up. She just turned 15. Can you imagine 15 years old? And the angel appears to you. Oh, favored one. No, you know, no one else has really been hearing about this type of stuff. And all of a sudden, wow, that's got to be a lot. Nowadays, kids get stressed out if we're telling them, you know, go outside and mow the lawn. Huh? Oh, favored one? What's coming? It's incredible. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Remember, we talked about that when angels come. Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's why I think it's it's the favor thing that she's questioning because he repeats it and he's explaining. When he says, oh, favored one, now he's going to say, what I'm saying is you have found favor with God. Not that you've done something incredible, Mary. You're so incredible that you found favor. It's no... God has found favor with you. He is being gracious to you. And that seems to calm her down. This same phrasing is found in Ephesians chapter 1 when it's talking about all Christians. So you know what I get to say to you guys? You found favor with the Lord. You are favored ones if you're in Christ. You're favored ones and the Lord is with you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you are favored like Mary. Verse 31, And behold, so she didn't even know what's going to be said yet, (laughs) And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Anyone know what Jesus' name actually means? Actually means Savior. His name actually means Savior. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, what we just talked about, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Of your king, his kingdom goes on forever. You don't have to worry about, like we do with the elections, every few years, oh, here we go. Who's going to be in next? How's this going to affect my life? What's going to change? What laws are going to get passed? Jesus' kingdom goes forever. You don't have to worry about what's next. Who's coming in next? He reigns forever. It says that he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Again, that same idea, when you are called the Son of someone, what you're saying is you're like that one. Talked to you about that before. Caleb being his father's son whenever he forgets something. 
saying that he's the son of the Most High God is saying he is God. Verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Notice, though, she doesn't doubt like Zechariah did. Do you remember? He doubted last week. She's just asking how. She's not doubting it, though. She's saying, (laughs) it's going to be interesting. How's this going to work? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The point is, the way Jesus comes is the Holy Spirit does it, and that's why He's holy. The rest of us, we come the natural way. From the line of Adam, that's why we're not holy. But praise be to God that Jesus is and that he's willing to give us his righteousness to make us holy and take away our reproach or our sin. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Notice that the angel helps Mary along here, gives her more information, another miracle that God has just done. For nothing will be impossible with God. Some people take this verse and really abuse this. They'll take this, nothing is impossible with God, and they'll apply it to all kinds of things that are not biblical. I'm going to be a star baseball player, basketball player, because nothing's impossible with God. That's true, but that may not be what God has for your life. We have to be careful when we take verses and just apply them however we'd like. And Mary said, Behold, I, look, at her, look at her response. Again, 14, 15 years old. Think for a second. She's legally in this contract, right? She's supposed to get married. And now this angel saying, Oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby now. Going to be pregnant. What do you think people are going to think about her? Joseph's going to go, Hey, mine. How's Joseph going to feel? Joseph's going to be fired up. At first, probably, unless the Lord intervenes somehow, which we'll see. But what is going on? What is, what's coming for her? A 15-year-old girl who's now pregnant? Oh, God did it. The Holy Spirit. People aren't going to believe that. I don't think we, we sometimes realize what's coming for Mary. There's a lot of shame that others are going to try to put on her. There's a lot of difficulty that's coming. And look at her response. <laughs> the faith of this child. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, I follow God. Bring it. I don't care. This is what God has. Then it's good. Question this morning. Are you like Mary? Are you willing to say, if it's from the Lord, whatever it is, I'm the servant of the Lord, bring it. Not because Mary's great, not because you're great, but because God is great. She gets to be called the one who brought Jesus into the earth. 
for all history. That's how she's known, as the, the mother of the Savior. At the time, didn't seem like probably a great plan, I wouldn't think. Oh, 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl, let's just all of a sudden make her pregnant? How's that going to happen? People are going to want to stone her. God says, my ways aren't your ways. Watch this. And he blesses her. And her response of faith, again, is incredible. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. This is where things get interesting. Not that it wasn't already interesting. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. One thing that's happening here is we have to see that the Holy Spirit is working. Remember, John from the womb would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Elizabeth is full of the Holy Spirit. Their response as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is how it's going to tie in today with joy. Joy comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's actually part of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Fruit of the Spirit. Who knows it? Share it with us as a group. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's the second one? Joy. What's interesting, and this is where we're going to camp for just a little bit, what's interesting is when it comes to joy, we don't treat it like it's something that comes out of an overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We treat it like it's dependent on our circumstances. We treat it like it's dependent on our circumstances. I'm going to need a few volunteers. One. Would you come up, please? Mr. George, would you come up, please? Thank you. All right, come over here. Good. Good. Austin, would you come too? Yeah, got a whole group up here today. All right, come on over here. Stand right here if you would. All right, so here's what happens with life. Here's what happens. Bad things come. Would everyone agree that life is not perfect? It's kind of depressing at times. Watch this. So, we're going to... What's something bad that's out there that happens in life? Something bad. What's that? Sickness. Sickness. Your sickness. Your sickness. Great. What else? Something else. What's bad? Death. Death. Good. Okay. Death. Something else bad? Divorce. Divorce. Broken relationships. Good. Something else bad? We have sickness. We have death. Divorce. What else? What is it? Sin, okay, our own sin, things like that. Good. Here's what happens. The fact that we are made as emotional people, we are emotional people, we are actually supposed to see that things aren't right. Romans 8 talks about the fact that that we groan for the the world to come because things aren't right. And even the earth itself is groaning because things aren't right. So what happens is, just with one hand, put it on my shoulder here, I feel that weight. I feel him on there, okay? What was he? Sickness. Someone's sick. Maybe I'm sick. Someone has cancer. I feel this, okay? What were you? Death. Death. Somebody has died. No, keep it on here. Someone has died. 
in my family. I feel that weight. Mr. Royce, come on, hand up here. Sin. Maybe I have my own sin in my life that I'm battling. What was hers again? Divorce. Divorce, broken relationships. Anyone have strained relationships with other people at all? Anyone at all? Yeah, yeah. Right now, now that all four of these are on, I'm feeling this. What's interesting is if you're not a believer, here's all you can do. Is you can keep looking at each one of these issues all over and over again. Just keep looking at them. The more you look at them, guess what happens? Would all of you put your second hand on me now? When you look at the issues, this is what happens. You know, you guys are really pushing. <laughs> I'm feeling that. I'm really feeling that. But what's interesting, what Scripture's trying to say is that it's, joy is not that these things go away. That's not joy. Joy isn't that it comes and just replaces those things and they're gone all of a sudden. What joy ultimately is, is it's looking to Christ. It's looking to the gospel. It's looking up. Non-believers can't do this. Believers can, but we don't always. It's looking up. Now, when I look up to Christ, here's what happens. Would you guys remove one hand off of me? Would you now change it to one finger on me? Okay. If I'm looking here, they're still there. There's no doubt But joy is not a replacing, but it's actually having something else, maybe an addition, if you will, to the things that are happening in life. One counselor talked about it like this, and I I agree with him. He said, life sometimes is very depressing. There can be this swamp of bad things that just happen. He said, but what's interesting is joy is like the fresh water that comes into the swamp and helps drive some of that away. It's still around and it's still there, but the weight isn't nearly as bad. Miss Lori, would you come up here real quick? Get, get real close to me here. What's also interesting is there's some ways that we're to fight this stuff. We look above to Christ, but he also gives us the body of Christ. Would you put your hand on her shoulder as well? And her shoulder as well, Roy, both of us. This is what it's called to bear one another's burdens. Galatians. Now that weight is way less than it was a few minutes ago when all I was doing was staring at my issues. Instead of going to the gospel, instead of going to Christ and finding my joy ultimately in Him and how He relates everything to what's going on. When it comes to sickness, you know what He says? Number one, He can heal it. Number two, if it, He doesn't heal it, He will ultimately heal it one day. And even when we're suffering, He says, I will be with you in that suffering. Death, you know what He says about death? It doesn't have a sting anymore. You know why? Because He's defeated it. So even when someone dies, that weight doesn't have to be as heavy. Versus those who don't know Christ, that weight can be unbearable. Broken relationships, he gives us a way to fix those relationships through the gospel. He says, listen, you can humble yourself and you can go and you can fix your relationships. Your own sin, he says, you're forgiven of that sin. He said, you can repent of it, you can move on. Those burdens become much lighter. They're still there, but joy streams through and creates something new that we can endure. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I think what we see here is for Mary, it's seemingly going to be pretty bad, at least the way it is from the outside. But she's ultimately focused on the Lord and the promises that he's giving her, the things that he's saying, and that she has found favor with God. And she's joyful. Elizabeth, things are going well in her life. 
She's about to finally have a baby, and she's joyful. Great. There's seasons where things are good, and you still have joy in the Lord. There's seasons when things are bad, and you still have joy in the Lord. And then there's the baby, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't know what else is going on. And what does he do in the womb? He leaps with joy. That has to show us that it can't be contingent on everything around us. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. That's where our joy comes from. And when we have that joy, it changes everything. Again, the only way to have this joy is through Christ. You need the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you don't have that, today's the day you can cry out to Him. If you're a believer, but you don't, you're like, you know what, I'm pretty, I'm pretty depressed. Things are pretty bad. Don't beat yourself up because you get down sometimes. Because all that actually is can actually be that you're understanding the world around you correctly. Things are broken. So it makes us feel that way. But we don't have to stay there. God's joy can come through and refresh our souls daily, hourly, minute by minute, if we go to him. Last verse, it says, and blessed, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You are blessed if you believe the word of God. My encouragement for you today is to believe the word of God and find your joy ultimately in him, and he will carry you through whatever's going on. Let's pray together. Father, I want to pray for my friends, my family here. I want to pray for our guests. I pray that, Lord, today we would see that our joy, true joy comes from you. We may be happy, we may be sad. We may have anger, we may have other issues going on, we may be content, Lord, ultimately that deep, Joy only comes from you. And it's the only thing that can come through and drive everything else to its proper place. Lord, help us not look to our problems. Ultimately, Lord, it's whenever we put our hope in something other than you is when bad things come. Because nothing can give us fulfillment like you can, Lord. But what's interesting is sometimes we also put our hope in things and they seem to give us some fulfillment and that's even worse because it's not a deep fulfillment that we can only get from you. God, I pray you would help us by the power of your spirit to find our joy in you. Full of your spirit because we are walking in your word daily, walking in step with your spirit. We're in prayer and we are in fellowship so we don't have to bear these things alone. Thank you for those gifts. And I pray again for those who may be here who do not know you. I pray today would be the day of salvation. Help us to see these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.